Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Dinking in the Kitchen Sports <laughs> Business Podcast. <laughs> the Sportacast. We debate all the time on every episode whether that little tagline he does after I do the introduction, whether it was good or not. Gentlemen, <laughs> please, in any order you wish, how did Evan do on the intro? That, that says okay. it all. Thank Gen- you very much. Gentlemen's <laughs> beat. We'll, we'll, we'll edit the, the, the pause out in post-production. Yeah. But I, I want to start, though, because there's a, I, now I can say for sure there's a misconception. Anybody can go out on that pickleball court, you know, kind of, I'll say middle-aged for me, and it's easy, it's fine. I was out there for 45 minutes yesterday, winded, sweating, and I'm feeling it today. So is that your experience as well, that people think it's easier than it is? Uh, I'm going to give you some stats. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm you a stats came guy. armed with stats. Come on, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready Please. for this. Uh, in an hour of pickleball, you'll hit the ball about 10 times as often as you will in an hour of tennis. Because you're not chasing the balls. You get to hit the ball. Points last longer. And you will actually burn more calories in an hour of pickleball than you will in an hour of tennis. Now, when I say that, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. Like, 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 because they think of like, you know, yeah, two, you know, like four 60-year-old people playing pickleball, they're barely they're not moving that much. But you, you can't compare, and they compare that to, you know, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. And they think, you know, that's not, that's not true. But for any group of four players, you're going you're gonna to actually burn more calories and play, hit the ball a lot more often. It's a lot more fun. Now, if I was a, a real pain in the rump, and I am, <laughs> I would say, how do you compare to table tennis? Uh, uh, Any stats? More calories. More calories. So, guys, I, I want to. I'm curious. I think everyone out here, we, we just watched the, the pros play, uh, has heard the word pickleball in the last few years. I think people might be surprised to hear that it was founded in the 60s. It's a sport that's been around for a really long time. Why is it that right now seems to be the moment where everything just caught fire? Well, many people have different answers to that question. Um, some people say it's the pandemic that people were looking for a way to get outside, still socially interact, but not be so close to each other. Um, that's what golf is telling me though. Like golf was perfect for pandemic. So, well, yeah, but it was golf right? did because well. golf did take, oh, a, yeah. take off during that. But this I mean, is meteoric. It can't, I, there's yeah. gotta be a, a different reason. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, we, we've, we get this question a lot and we've kind of debunked the idea that it was just because of the pandemic. We think there's a lot more at play than just that, right? It's people looking for something to do that you don't have to take years and years and years to get good at. 
you can pick up a paddle right now and go have fun in five or 10 minutes. Um, so it's something that is social. It's something that you can get, it's, there's a more fitness craze going on. Um, you know, people want to come together. Uh, it's something new. Uh, you can play if you're young, you're old. So I think there's all these different kind of things that are just kind of happening at the same time. And maybe it was the catalyst was the pandemic, but I don't know if there's one specific reason, but whatever the reason is, it's happening and we're enjoying it and it's great for the sport. Uh, let, let me ask you, Steve, as like founder, like, every founder has a good story. Yeah. It almost couldn't have happened. Yeah. Something serendipitous yeah. happened. Give me, give me the best tale that maybe we don't so know. I'll tell you my, my first time playing pickleball story. It was 2015. Uh, I have a nephew who I dearly love who loves to pull my crank. And he always is trying to like tease me and trick me about something. And he says, Steve, I, got, I found this new sport. It's called pickleball, and you're going to love it. You should go and play pickleball. But I assume it's just that yeah, he made it up. So I Google places to play pickleball, Austin, Texas. And I find the Bethany Church gym is playing pickleball that night. Uh, I don't have a paddle. I don't have a ball. I don't know the rules. I said, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and see what this thing is. I, I'm curious now. I show up, uh, and uh, just like any other church group, I was greeted like the prodigal son. It was like a, a new member of the pickleball cult was, was initiated. Yeah. And I said, I'm just here to watch. I don't know how to play. And they said, no, 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 you're playing. You, you are getting a paddle. And... It was, I had never experienced, first of all, I, I loved it. It was so much fun. Second of all, that passion, that almost cultish love of it was something I hadn't experienced in any sport. And I told people the next day, in fact, yeah, I, I told uh, some, some, uh, some people here in Austin that someday this would be the most played sport in America. Uh, and uh, to say that people, uh, people looked at me like I had three heads, like the, that, that was the dumbest thing they'd ever heard. And I think they obviously had not listened to the show yet. <laughs> so I, I think I think uh, I knew in 2015 that this was this was going to go. And I told my friends. Oh. So you heard about it from your your, your nephew. Yeah. I heard about it from my mother, yeah. who is yeah. uh, well, I almost said my mom's age right there. Um, she's older, and she loves to laugh about it now. Right? Yeah. That, that I, I like to think of. I know about cool shit before my parents do, right? <laughs> she loves the fact that this thing that is now a sensation is That's something awesome. that I did not know about until she started playing <laughs> down on the Jersey Shore and introduced it to me. <laughs> I love but it. I would say you, you talked about I didn't have a paddle. I didn't have – you don't need a litany. My son, my focus group of one, plays ice hockey. There are great barriers to entry to so many youth sports. I'm asking – you have traditional sports experience – is the ease, the fact that you just need that paddle, you can borrow it, it can be provided, is that one of the keys to success? I think it is, to be honest. I mean, we have seen uh, athletes and non-athletes that can pick up the sport and start playing right away. People that have, don't come from a tennis background, people that do come from a tennis background. Um, you know, I think, and I know I'm in the business side of the sport, right? Running the commercial arm of MLP. And the, one of the reasons that so many brands are interested in sponsoring Major League Pickleball is because there are so many, it cuts across so many different, uh, obviously gender and social economic backgrounds and geographies. And I mean, it's, it's like a, uh, it's so inclusive. So equalizing, and this is why brands really want to get really want to get involved. All right, Bruce, I'm going to be your best friend right now and help you out. And Steve, you're going to be like, "Way to go, Scott!" 
Would you like to name some of those brands and, and what do they get? Well, there's from one big from, one right behind from, us. You I, see I, that? I, well, that's up there. It is. <laughs> Where, that, oh, there it is. Margaritaville. Yeah. yeah. But what do they want from you? But different brands want different things from sports leagues and teams and athletes. When they come to you, what's the discussion? What can you do for me? What's the ROI on my spend? No, that's not it at all. It's like, uh, we've heard about pickleball. What is this thing going on? Tell us about it. Oh, really? We is that no basic? Idea. It's 101. No okay. We do, I've done the pickleball 101 thing uh, 85 times. Got that times. pitch down. Pat, yeah, yeah, I got it down. <laughs> Perfect. Can I have it's, the elevator pitch? It's really pickleball 101. Um, so I do this a lot because they don't know. They've read about it on Sportico. Um, they've heard about it. Their friends are playing. They maybe played on vacation. These are brand owners, automobile industry, banking industry, CPG, et cetera, et cetera. They're like, I am a, a CMO. I'm a marketer. I'm seeing this thing taken off. I'm trying to figure out how to get in. Help me to try to figure out how to get in. First, tell me what it's all about. Like, who's playing? Where are they playing? Um, what's the professional structure? What's the recreational structure? So it's a lot of, like, honestly, pickleball 101 at the very beginning. So can we get into the business model? We saw the professionals playing. I know you guys have teams, franchise teams, and, and some owners that we'll talk about. Uh, is there a licensing play here? Is there, is there data? Walk us through the MLP business kind of overarching. Ho hopefully all of the above. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, we have 24 owners. Uh, we are divided into a premier level and a challenger level. Uh, and we're going to be the first sport in America with promotion and relegation, uh, which I think is... Uh, uh, English uh, soccer fans uh, out there. Uh, not not but for people who don't know, relegation <laughs> means if you finish in the bottom of the standings, you go down to the lower level. That, and by the way, that affects, as you know, as a former Liverpool employee, valuation of club. <laughs> Owners are scared the Jesus out of relegation. And nobody, I, I don't think, will ever come to U.S. sports because of that very thing. Well, it's coming. So, so it's here. For major, <laughs> I should say major for U.S. sports. So what is the benefit? Why have promotion and relegation? Uh, it makes uh, it, it makes the competition more more demanding at both levels. So in other words, if, if we had all 24 teams, the, the, the differences between the players would be pretty stark. By by dividing it into two two brackets, it makes every competition super super competitive, and, and the, the quality of the content is better. That, that that's that's always our number one thing is how can we make the quality of our content. How can we make it better, more engaging for fans? You just said a great word we love on Sportacast. It's do you, you it's, well, it's content. Content, yeah. Right. Sports leagues, and I argued this yesterday during some of our panels, if they don't understand that they are media, tech, real estate companies, they ain't long for the world. The days of, you know, 1950s franchises are over, which means research and development budget. It means distribution on a global scale. It means technology embracement. Where are you? Like, how, how do you think? And the whole ecosystem yeah. of all those pillars that are sports these days, how do you think about it for Major League Pickleball? So not only do we have our 24 teams, but we now have uh, a product called Minor League Pickleball, where any player at any level can play on a team with three of their friends uh, and compete representing the Florida Smash. Or should the we do New it, York Scott? Should we, should we get a little Sportico so team going? You, 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 I, I already told you team. how I felt after my 45 <laughs> minutes yesterday. I'll root you on. You're much younger than I am. And this is an amazing way to, to have fan engagement is because not only are you now, you're not just a fan of the New York Hustlers, you are a New York Hustler. You, you Better than the Packers. Them. You don't need to pay for a for stock certificate. You can say, I'm, I'm on the team. Correct. Exactly. So right. we're, and uh, that's, that's a huge part of our strategy going forward is to get... People engage with our brands by, by having them play in our format, in our style of play, 
and be wearing the colors of their favorite team. Let's talk about the owners. Uh, LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, Mark Cuban, Drew Brees. The, it's, it's a long list of celebrities. What is having those people with huge social reach and obviously influence culturally, what does that mean to have them in, in the stable moving forward? Certainly a lot of awareness, that's for sure. Um, I think it probably started with Drew, right? When Drew came in this summer, Drew Brees came in this summer as a, as a part owner of one of our teams, the Mad Drops. And that kind of just set off this whole chain reaction. And Is that inbound or outbound? Are you reaching out to them? Or are, they, are they coming to you and saying, hey, guys, we, we want to get involved? What's a lot the, of it's inbound, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't even, what's the, the exact number of, of inbound? Mostly inbound. Hundreds of, of people that wanted to invest. And, uh, is it the same as the brands? Potential brand partners? I've heard about inbound. it. I don't know that much about it. I want to be part of inbound. it. Inbound. Yeah, a lot of, lot of inbound. And that's exactly what it is. It's, it's either, either from investment perspective or from a brand marketing perspective. There's this whole thing that's happening. It's a whole phenomenon. It's a wave that's coming across America, and people are trying to figure out, is this for me as an investor, or is this for me as a brand? And maybe it is, or maybe it isn't, but you know, everybody's looking for the business opportunity, looking for an angle, looking to market their product, looking to get involved somehow, looking to do something fun. Uh, so we're getting loads and loads of inbound from both potential investors and brands. Yeah, from what I understand, the teams have sold for, some of them have sold for around $3 million dollars. Not, not an insignificant amount of money by any means. You could have bought an NWSL club for that a couple of years ago. From an economics for a team owner, what is the, what's the pitch? What does $3 million buy you in terms yeah. of sharing in whatever live events or content or whatever it is we're talking about? So we have a, a somewhat unique structure. Uh, about a little bit after MLS, where team owners own part of the league. That's part of what you're getting. So you have an investment in the league. If the league does well, you'll have part ownership of that. Uh, in addition to that, you basically have a plug-and-play brand in Pickleball. In other words, you own part of the league, but you also own your trademark. You own the New York Hustlers or the Las Vegas Night Owls. People love to own intellectual property and figure out how to capitalize on it. Yes. And if you can sell you know, swag or merchandise with your brand, uh, you keep the lion's share of that. You, share, what, you have what, a small royalty to the league, but mostly, mostly you keep that. What differentiates one brand from the other if it's not i mean there's success we know in traditional sports you win the super bowl yeah. chiefs mean something globally you have a superstar like lebron that means something globally what differentiates one brand from another in pickleball i mean team brand team brand uh well the ownership group of course um geographic affiliations you know last year we didn't have geographic affiliations and this year we do have geographic affiliations right we have a miami team and a new york team and a las vegas team and austin team and for us, this was a really important decision to start building fan engagement, fan loyalty, fan, uh, fan affinity. If I'm living in Austin, I'm a massive pickleball fan. Uh, I need to support a team in Major League Pickleball. I'm going to choose my home team, ATX Pickleballers. So it was really important for us for that differentiation to put geographic affiliations. Add on top of that the air cover of the celebrity team owners. And we think that's kind of the success for creating fan loyalty and fan engagement. We talk a lot of esports on the show and... We hear professional sports teams owned in the traditional sports saying we can learn from the gamification. Yeah. We're, we're moving there and the kids. What's the direction of, let's say, IP and, into, and, and just sort of learning? Is it the traditional sport owners saying, hey, this is what we do? Or please tell us more about how you do things, how you see you presenting, and what can we learn from you? Yeah, we're, we're, we uh, probably have a lot more to learn from LeBron James about social media than we have to teach. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think we're, we're fully aware that that's the, that's the reality there. And, but now, 
you know, given, given that he's a part owner of the New York Hustlers, that's a really fun brand. And I think there's a real chance for them to monetize that in various ways. And they have the right incentive to do that because they get to keep the lion's share of that. And so we get really talented people who understand that space and give them a reason for them to invest in that. Take, take me behind that curtain. Le so le you get in touch with LeBron. The meeting happens. I want New York. I have Spring Hill. I have a content company, under, Uninterrupted. Come on on. How do I envision? What am I going to see from LeBron and Pickleball? Were you in that meeting? It sounds like you're in that meeting. <laughs> I, I would guess I know what he's going to say, but it, I, I'm just curious if you could take this. What, what was the discussion like? How do, what's his vision? Because you... I mean, you're interviewing owners as well. I mean, you're not going to yeah. say no to LeBron. I get it. But you're interviewing owners. What are you bringing to the table? And we want to see what you see for us. Yeah. And, and that, well, you, you, it feels like you were in the room. Because that's, that's the discussion we have with prospective owners is what, what, can you, what can you bring to us? What can you teach us? How, how can you make us better? Because we, obviously, we, we, we want some money from you. It's an investment. But also, we, we, you know, the more that you can bring, the more value you add to the league, that's going to be exciting for us. And uh, all those things are happening. In fact, you know, we have a, a team from Spring Hill that is, uh, you know, we have 17 members team from Spring Hill who is tracking us for a documentary series. This uh, is all the rage now, it feels like. Yeah, all, yeah. All, every league wants to have a non-scripted live TV that. reality yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's such great stories in the sport. In, in every sport, there's great stories. But you know, the, the players all have in, you know, intriguing stories. And, and when people get to know them, I think it's going to, you know, and I think this docu-series will... We'll do that. We had the uh, folks behind the American Cornhole League on the show a number of months ago, and one of the things they were talking about was licensed boards and bags. That the, in addition to the professional thing, they it's were the majority doing, of their business doing that. It's a it's a huge part of their yeah. business. Uh, are you guys selling paddles and nets and balls? What's the? How do you think about the the merch the the equipment side of of the opportunity? Yeah, we are. It's not too dissimilar from what Stacy was doing at uh, at Cornhole. Yeah. Um, By the way, Johnsonville brought. I'll give them a shot. I mean. I've never seen a, a, a more endemic sponsorship that seems to work. Johnsonville Brats and and <laughs> and, and, and yeah. Cornhole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, we we are. We're we're um, coming out with an MLP ball, um, and potentially other licensed product as well. Um, and the thinking is the same thinking that Stacy went through at, at Cornhole, and that is if you can control, put out, control the ecosystem, put out a really really good product. It has your brand all over it. it it's just. It just uh, it, it builds the league. It builds your revenue streams. Uh, it builds uh, everything from the recreational player playing with your products. It's just if you can own as much of the ecosystem as possible, it's just going to help out your business. It's a really interesting economic conversation around a sport this size and, and how early you're getting into the explosion, right? Because the NHL does not really benefit from selling hockey pucks and sticks and, 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 and skates and all that, right? Because the ecosystem around hockey is too developed for that. But because you guys are getting in so early in the life cycle of professional commercialized pickleball, at least, you have that opportunity to be both of those things, the professional league and the equipment. Yeah, and I think this is also the advantage of having the 24 team ownership groups that we have. Uh, the vision of Steve, of course, and other members of our MLP executive team and that we do things, we do things very, um, we do things on purpose, right? We all the sponsorship program that we built is built in a very specific way. The merchandising licensing program that we're putting out there is built is is going to be built in a very specific way. The conversations we're having with the media partners are very specific about what we want to do in terms tell, of building our. Tell me more. Tell me more. What are the conversations with the? I mean, with the media partners, because one of the big ten poles of sports leagues are 
there's media, there's real estate, there's tech. You got to be seen. And this is one of the things I was going to say, one of the things I hear all the time. This, nobody's going to watch this on TV. That's And, I, and you know the criticism. But they, are. Before. but they are. Yeah, do, do tell, how many people are watching? Where are they watching? How do you want them to watch in the future? You take numbers now, and I'll take numbers in the future. So we'll, we'll, we'll divide no, the time. Numbers now, Bruce. Well, actually, you know, let's talk about, take a step back for a second. And one of the, 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 the main topic of the conversation is what we have with media partners is what you've mentioned at the very beginning of this, which is I see people playing but does it translate to the pro game? Are these pros really all that good? And which means, are people actually gonna watch it? And we have found that people are gonna watch it, both in person at the events and uh, on streaming and, and linear as well. I'm curious, Apple, Amazon, they've been known to dabble in sport. What are those conversations if they're, if they're going on? Those, we are having conversations with all those uh, and, and, and all the other major players in, in, in linear and streaming. And it's the same conversation. It's this kind of the same conversation, which is um, we want to make sure we want to we want to get in this somehow. Um, we want to get along with the sport as it grows and gets bigger and bigger. Uh, we want to make sure that people are actually going to watch it. Um, so let's do this thing and test it and learn it. So you'll see the rest of our 2023 season. We're going to be on various different platforms. Um, not the same platform every single time, various different platforms. And that is a byproduct of the conversations we're having with them about, let's put this on and see how it does. Okay, how about the negative part of that? How do your fans find it? How do you make it easier for them to know where you are? We're, we're always on our own channel on YouTube. So you can always find us there. And then we have various broadcast partners. So we, if, you, if, you can't, if, you can't, if you don't have the tennis channel or whatever, if you don't have access, you can always find us on our channel. Okay. Uh, but then we're, you know, we're finding new audiences by having these partnerships. So. That's, that's, that's been our strategy. We, obviously, for us, it's more important to bring this to new eyeballs than the revenue right this second. We're, 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 you know, we're, we are thinking long-term here. Uh, revenue's good. I like, I'm pro-revenue. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but in general, I think the more people we can get to see this, the more people we're, we're going to win the long run. Now, I was actually at the panel yesterday that you, that you were moderating about uh, with the Minnesota Twins, the gentleman from the Minnesota Twins, Chris, Chris Isles, I think yeah. his name is. And... He said something that made me, made me smile. He said, the best predictor of whether a person will watch a sport is whether they play it or not. Yeah. If a person plays a sport, they're going to watch it. In basically every country in the world, the most watched sport is the most played sport. There's one exception. America. Yeah, America. America's <laughs> a, a very, very weird exception. Like, most let the people play football. And, you, I mean, he should be downright giddy because we not long ago did a story with, with our friends at the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. Yeah. You want to tell the folks what the participation numbers have been like? I mean, you had a whole <laughs> number. We, couldn't, we had to break out the chart visually. Yeah. And we had to actually alter the way we presented it because everybody was sort of close to each other and you could see it in one shot except for pickleball that was like up and to the right in its own yeah. quadrant. <laughs> it was off the graph. It was yeah. off the graph. We had to actually change the way we presented it. But that means that Every time that a new person plays this sport, we're building a, a new future viewer uh, who understands the sport, who cares about it, who knows what these players do, know, understands what, how amazing watching those four players we just have an like, exhibition, just how talented they are. That, that's why you know, the, future is, the future is bright. Your point about participation uh, in American football, I think, is really interesting because there are a lot of people who love American football that did not grow up playing it. Yep. They did grow up playing Madden. There's yes. probably tens of millions of people who played football just digitally. Is there a pickleball 
video game discussions. I'm sure you'd love to have one. What's uh, this what is are your VR? This is a VR dream. It's, it, 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 those things are coming for okay. sure. Uh, but in terms of where I see our audience, yeah, obviously I'm a pickleball maximalist. Some people are Bitcoin maximalists. I'm a pickleball maximalist. I, I think we will be easily a top five sport in the next five years in terms of viewership. I think we will, oh. we will, we will challenge MLS, MO, MO, Major League Baseball, and, and NHL. I think we'll be, we'll be in that category soon. And, and not, not, not decades from now. So you know what I'm seeing, Evan? I'm seeing pickleball in bigger venues. I want to see pickleball. Yeah. And I, I, yep. that's, we're seeing it with hockey. We're seeing it. What, what can we expect there? It's not a gimmick. It's just a different way to present the sport. I think you're absolutely going to see it in, in bigger venues. We have had a conversation about this yesterday about we need to be playing in bigger venues. Yep. Um, you know, we were in, in, in Phoenix, our first event uh, of the 2023 season in January, and it was rammed, packed on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, standing room only, people standing all over each other. I mean, and we're looking at each other being like, we should have been in a venue that's twice as big as this. So our, our first, first event was November of 2021. We had 500 seats, and we were really nervous about filling it. We did, uh, but that was, you know, that, that was, uh, that was you know, walking a tightrope at that time. In Mesa, we had 1,500 seats packed every day. Uh, I think so. You know, we're seeing we're seeing definitely an acceleration there as well. I would imagine that there is a lot of overlap, at least right now, between people who play tennis and people who play slash play pickleball. Um, and you mentioned Tennis Channel. What is the relationship right now between the establishment of pickleball and the establishment of tennis? Is it cooperative? Are they yep. wary of what, what you guys are doing? Is it, is it cannibalizing their audience? What's that, what's that dynamic like? I, I would say there's been wariness, but it's actually getting more cooperative. We're having really, uh, the USTA just had their, their annual meetings and we're uh, members of our team. We're, we're there representing Major League Pickleball and representing Pickleball in general. Uh, we are working together with the USTA on ways to help roll out Pickleball at tennis clubs to make the tennis clubs more successful and, and do that in a way that keeps the tennis members happy. So we're, we're, we're really consulting with them on ideas on how to do that, ways that can make the tennis club be more successful and continue to exist. So I think there's actually, for a while, probably there was wariness and uh, yeah, probably not that much cooperation. I think that's actually changing. You said roll out. I want to think talking about rolling up. Is there room for more than one league? I, I, we went through this with lacrosse. And, of course, MLL and PLL are now one. There's still the NLL indoor. Who knows what, what will happen there? But we kept hearing there's disparate pieces, and, and it's not good for the sport. What about pickleball? Again, you're not the only game in town. Well, there's room for multiple leagues. Ours is a bit different because we're a co-ed team-based format, and the other two leagues, PPA and APP, are not that. So we are a different format, so we kind of live a little bit separately. Um, Team-based format, geographic affiliations, co-ed, different scoring, rally scoring. So all of them can live together, but it's important to understand the differentiators of, of MLP versus PPA and APP. Can you give us a, just a quick snapshot of how much money can I make playing pickleball? And, and where do you see it going? <laughs> more than, you more than German? German? I know the players want to hear this. <laughs> Deckel's one of, the, one of the best players in the world. He's in, he's in the audience. Uh, he's saying not enough. 
I can see. <laughs> like, he's saying not well, enough right fun. now. That's always the players' answer. <laughs> I know. Uh -oh, now I'm hearing players' union. I'm hearing. <laughs> okay, uh, first of all, I'll give you a couple more stats on that. Then I'll actually try to answer the question. Uh, two years ago, the total prize money in pickleball was probably about, about a million dollars. This year, it'll probably cross 10. So we, we, we've moved. That's from, across all players. Across, so across all players. Uh, the, you know, the very top players are, are certainly waking well into the six figures at this point. Um, you know, I don't know, top 30 players are making six figures now? Something like that? Deckel? Something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, six figures is probably enough to make a living. So there's probably 20 to 30 players on the male and female side who are making that. Plus there is sponsorship money for playing a certain paddle or, or wearing certain clothes. So uh, there's probably now... 40 to 50, both male and female players who are making a living just from playing. And then there's a lot more players who are trying to make a living from playing, but also teach clinics, do some coaching, et cetera. So yeah, there's a pretty healthy, couple, I'd say a couple hundred players who are, yeah, are full-time pickleball professionals, I would say. We were talking in the office the other day about uh, uh, pickleball orthopedists, just how much business <laughs> seems to be popping up on the peripherals People who realize that, oh, my business can benefit from maybe some SEO by putting pickleball in it, or just realizing that, again, the, the amount of people who are doing it is, is, is so large. Uh, I imagine you guys are also seeing that, right? That, that so many people are now rushing into this for different little business opportunities because the player base is growing so much. Well, yeah, but this is, this is actually something that we talk to potential sponsors about a lot, and that is coming into the game authentically. So Margaritaville, for example, they've been in the game as a sponsor since... Three or four years ago. More than that, actually. You know, yeah, more. Um, and we have these conversations with brand new, with potential sponsors of MLP that want to come in, and we keep saying, you need to come in an authentic way. You can't come in like you're just doing a land grab and try to get in somehow and, you know, um, and get into this, uh, this new demographic or this new sport or this new niche. You need to come in in a very authentic way. And so... In Margaritaville, obviously they're already in the sport, but what they're doing is making the fan experience better. Anheuser-Busch is a partner of ours. They're making the fan experience better. HSS, you guys know in New York, Hospital for Special Surgery, they don't say, oh, if you twist your knee playing pickleball, come see us. That's not the message. It is, we can help you play better and help you play longer and help you play you know, more with your friends, et cetera. So every partner that comes on board needs to come in in a very authentic way, in a very genuine way, and it's not like they're coming in just to, because it's the hot thing right now, and they're going to disappear in 18 months, right? We would, we would send them the message to not enter the sport in that way. You've got to enter it in an authentic, genuine way. What is the age demographic, roughly the age demographic of the participation in the U.S. right now for Pickleball? But the, the, the incredibly notable thing in the, the SFIA report talks about this is the, the youth thing. You know, the, the, it's getting younger. Uh, if you'd asked that question five years ago, probably the average age was well into the 50s. Hmm. Now, I think the report said that the average age is 36. Uh, that is an incredibly huge change in demographics for a sport in a very short period of time. And, and that's still not young, right? I mean, I, you think that hockey as an example, right? The average by the, age by the way, who he's 35 and he's angry <laughs> he's out of the 18 to 34 demo. That's <laughs> why he God. said, God. yes, it is old, Evan. <laughs> but, 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 but the average is 36, and the people who are 50 and 60 haven't, haven't stopped playing. Sure, yeah. But, which tells you how many more people who are you know, 18 and you know, teens and 20s and 30s are playing 
it has to be a massive influx in that age to move that average that much. Yeah, I would also think that your marketing strategy, right, is different if the bulk yeah. of your if your bulk of your play, people who are playing are adults, right, versus a lot of other sports where the mass bulk of people who play them are are children. That's probably true of the sponsors that you're courting and the people that come to you and are interested in getting involved as well. It's it's a it's a strange sport in that way because most sports start with kids and right. people play for the rest totally. of their life. The sport is, is, is that, the what other, was that the movie with Brad Pitt? Benjamin Button. Ben, yeah. Benjamin <laughs> it's the Benjamin Button of sports. Like it, it started old and it's getting younger. Uh, it's a it's a very strange thing and. We're doing some things at MLP and our sister company, Duper, to try and get more kids to play. Uh, we're really focused on bringing this to the college level. So we had a college national championship last year. We're having 12 regional championships. We had one that just concluded yesterday. Uh, and the national championship this year. Uh, you know, we're trying to talk to our friends at the NCAA and other things to make this a varsity sport. Uh, I think that there are no happen. other issues at the NCA that should be very this easy at this time. Top of the top of the one. <laughs> this is the top of the list. Uh, uh, I think if we can get this to be a varsity sport with scholarships, obviously that that creates a whole yeah, high school camps. It creates all, all that experience for for lots of kids. So we're like I said, we're we're, we're Benjamin buttoning our way down down to down to kids. And if I close my eyes and I'm, to, I'm trying to figure out what's next, and I'm so particularly interested in, in ownership and who comes and how they help you get to where you want to go, traditional sports teams now, it's not enough to bring the capital because everybody has that. It's what's the synergistic uh, assistance do you bring? How do you help us grow? So if I'm closing my eyes, what's next in terms of who are you looking for to help you get where you want to go? We haven't announced the guys. Come on, do it here. This oh, is what we live for. Do it here. <laughs> Can we do that? Would I get in trouble? That is a, really my good encouragement. I don't know right actually there. what you're talking about. <laughs> you do. All of it. You're the co-founder commissioner. It's fine. Nobody. Who's yelling at you? Nobody. Let's hear it. <laughs> you know, though you people do yell at me. That's, I, know. That's, that's, I know. But we will not be one. Of we them. will not be one. Of them. What do you got? A major group of internet influencers that you would know well. Major if you, I'll give you one Even guess. Scott would know them well? I'm too old to know internet influencers. The, no, you, so, would know, you would know this group. I have, I, can I guess? I'll well, that's what one, he's saying. I'll give you one guess, and if you, by the way, one if guess. you screw this up, it's on you. Are they based in Texas? Oh, boy. There we go. Go. Oh, Is it do perfect? Yeah. All right. Look at that. There we go. That's exciting. I mean, they have if a... Can, if Ed kills me now, I'm... Uh, that is some serious following. I know that. My, my focus yeah, of one huge, always watches those videos. Yeah. Yeah. I might be in trouble. <laughs> I might be in really big trouble. No such thing. Someone no tell thing. Eric Jackson to start writing the story. No, but they, they are... Can the, we delete this from the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are done. That is it, gentlemen. Really, thank you so much. I love breaking news at the end. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for, for joining us I mean, and, and watching these folks. I can tell you, having played and now watched, it's no joke. Were you, you were watching this uh, open play for the last two days. People yeah. there, nonstop, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just put the court down. It was, it was a magnet. So, and it looks, not to knock the people who are playing right now, but it looks very different when the, the professionals yeah. play than, uh, than, than when other folks are on it. And we also have a thing on the show where Eben cannot close the show without like, fumbling over some words. He doesn't really remember how we... No, no, no. Let's say he's reaching. Let's see. Can you do it? It's, it's up it. to you yeah, to close yeah. on this one. Let's All right. go. So, so thank you to Bruce uh, and to Steve for being with us. Uh, this is Scott Soshnick. He's on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Matt Whitehurst. So shout out to Matt. Our digital media editor, Cora Veltman, who I don't see out here. She wants you to know that you can download the Sportacast wherever you get your podcasts.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.